listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. For today's episode, I had the opportunity to interview D.W. Duke. D.W. is the author of the books Not Without a Fight, Palestine, and The Duke Legacy. This interview is mostly about Not Without a Fight, which is based on a true story and set during World War II. I'm here with D.W. Duke, who is the author of uh, a few books, but his most notable one, in my opinion, is Not Without a Fight. D.W., welcome to the Heartland Author Podcast. Thanks, Aaron. My pleasure to be here. Uh, Feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay, my name is D.W. Duke. I'm an attorney and a writer and, more recently, motion picture producer. I've uh, been working uh, in law for quite a few years. Uh, I, I began writing biographical novels, I think, probably around 2010. Uh, prior to that time, I just wrote law books. And, and I got tired of writing books that nobody would read except judges and professors <laughs> and lawyers. So I wanted to write a book that would reach more people and have a bigger impact. So I started writing biographical novels. Now, without spoiling too much of Not Without a Fight, what is that book about? Well, it's about Cass Bieberstein and his family. Cass was uh, eight years old on September 1st, 1939, when Germany invaded Poland. And at that time, they they went to stay in a, a, a factory till the bombing stopped. And then they went back to their house, which was a, a beautiful mansion, 30-room mansion. And they discovered that the Nazis had gone in and, and basically trashed the place. Uh, so they went back into the house. The Nazis were no longer there, so they moved back in. And they stayed there for uh, several months until, uh, at one point, Oscar Schindler showed up with the, the family chauffeur who had told him about the house. And they decided to use it to sell artifacts, uh, Jewish artifacts, to uh, Nazi officers. So then they threw them out of the house. And they had owned several apartment buildings around Warsaw. And they lived in in different apartment buildings until eventually they were forced into the uh, ghetto in Warsaw. So the book chronicles their experience and how Cass, uh, by the age of 10, had become a sniper and was fighting with the underground, fought with the Jewish resistance in 1943. And then he fought with the Soviet army in 1944 when the Nazis were eventually driven out of uh, Poland. So the, the book chronicles all of the events in his life up through that point. Yeah, how does Not Without a Fight blur the line between fiction and nonfiction? Because most books that uh, uh, authors who have appeared on this podcast have written, their books can be readily classified into fiction and nonfiction. Yours kind of blurs the line between the two. Yes, it does. It's a style of writing that, uh, you know, we see it in, in like Little House on the Prairie, um, you know, Lincoln, those kinds of books. Basically, what the author has done is taken a historical event and then introduced dialogue and uh, circumstances to make it a novel that people would enjoy reading. So we don't change any major historical events. We build the story around the events as they occurred. And in this case, I I was fortunate enough to interview Cass before he passed away, Uh, interview him at length. And also his his story was recorded by Steven Spielberg's group, The Shoah Project, 
uh, maintained by the University of Southern California. So we had, uh, we had the benefit of those, those uh, DVDs as well. But so I, what I did then was, was just built, uh, built dialogue around events that actually occurred. So everything in there is based on true events, but it's just built around them uh, with, with dialogue to make it more interesting for the reader. Uh, is Not Without a Fight the book self-published or traditionally published? I published it um, self-published because my goal was to uh, create a motion picture and most of the motion picture uh, producers I talked to were happier to have a book that doesn't have um, a publishing company to deal with. They, they prefer being able to deal with direct, directly with the author who can make all the decisions. And also I had, I had talked with um, um, a vocalist, a, a man named John Anderson, who is a, was the lead singer for a band called Yes. And he began doing self-recordings uh, for the same reason, wanted control of it. So by doing it that way, we maintain control. Uh, as a point of clarification, you mentioned a singer by the name of John Anderson. Was this the uh, this was a different singer than the country singer who sang Swing and Straight <laughs> Tequila Night? Yes, it is. This is the singer who sang Owner of a Lonely Heart and uh, Long Distance Run Around, some of those songs back in the 80s and, and uh, 70s. Now, are there parallels between modern times and the World War II era that Not Without a Fight is set in? You know, there are, and, and it has caused me quite a bit of concern um, because what I'm seeing in the United States today is, is very similar to what was occurring in Germany in the 1930s uh, before the actual invasion, before World War II. Uh, tremendous polarization and, and politicians who are uh, using, political, using events to create political warfare against their enemies in order to get elected. And right now we have that happening in the United States, worse than I've ever seen in my life. And I see a lot of the similarities. And so I think that the caution that we need to, we need to hear is we need to see what has happened with other countries that went down this road. Uh, we saw it with Germany. I mean, Hitler was, was uh, uh, Hindenburg appointed him chancellor in 1933, January 30 of 1933. And by the end of March, the, he had stripped the Jews of their citizenship had begun building death camps, you know, it just goes on and on. So we need to be careful what, what, the, what this kind of leader does. He tries to identify a group that he says is harmful. And then he identifies the other people as victims and says, I can protect you from them. And in Hitler's case, it was the Jewish people that he said were, were harmful and needed to be protected from. What we have in America is, is we have a lot of different groups of people are being identified and characterized like in the, the remember the pink floyd song us and them yeah. uh the whole idea of there's us and then there's them and people are separated and they use these things to cause division and then they can generate anger and hatred and and get people to vote for them now your uh, amazon uh, author page lists a couple of other books you've written palestine and the duke legacy without spoiling too much of either book what are these books about well palestine that is the, the uh, only book i've written that it is purely fiction it, it's based on a, a story between a, a, a jewish man uh, who when he was uh, five years old was in israel and his family was killed by palestinian terrorists so he came to the United States where he had been living and 
wound up going to law school or medical school in uh, many years later and in medical school he met a Palestinian woman and of course she completely changed his image of who the Palestinian people were uh, they became romantically involved but they could never they could never act upon their relationship because they were both orthodox in their faith and then they wind up back in uh, Israel and he's working for the Israeli Defense Forces as a medical doctor winds up under her care where she's a doctor in Palestine and if I say the rest, I will spoil it. So I'll stop right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Duke legacy is about uh, the Duke family, uh, beginning with the Washington Duke, who is the person after whom Duke University was named. And what he did as a young man, uh, dealing with issues like slavery and, and other things, even before, while slavery was still legal in the United States, things that he was doing to try to help slaves. And uh, ultimately, then he built his the tobacco empire, and and his his sons realized when they were, grew up, it, it, when when Washington built the the tobacco empire, it was believed at that time that tobacco was a was medically therapeutic, and they, and people wanted to use uh, tobacco for that purpose. By the 1910, 1915, people began to realize that that wasn't so. They began to realize it was harmful. So the sons divested their their. Um, tobacco holdings and invested in um, hydroelectric power, which is why today we have Duke Energy. But it's a story about him from the time he was a little boy up until the time uh, he passed away. And then it carries on and talks about his daughter, Doris Duke, and then a few other members of the family. Now, uh, this is one of the... I, I almost never asked this question on this uh, uh, podcast. And this kind of goes into... Uh, another question that I have, but how would you describe your own political views? Well, I, I, I think I'm pretty, pretty central. Uh, I, I do get a lot of frustration with both political parties in the United States because I feel that they're not being used for the intended purpose. And, uh, you know, I recall back in, in the uh, 70s when I was, uh, you know, in college, and it was just a different world. The, the, I, I recall when I was... Uh, you know, at Michigan, doing my undergraduate studies, we would we would sit together, Democrat, Republicans, the kids did it didn't matter. We all would talk about political issues, and everybody would have a good time, and and they'd stay up till two o'clock in the morning discussing political things. You try to do that today, and the kids are going to wind up in a boxing match. <laughs> but yeah, I would say I'm fairly central, and and try to be common sense, and take a lot of the hysteria out of politics. Now. Uh how can empathy be a tool to overcome stereotypes and various forms of discrimination? Because in uh, your Podmatch messages to me, you uh, mentioned that as a potential topic of discussion. Yes, empathy, people don't realize what empathy is. But empathy, um, if you look at every major religion in the world, they all teach empathy. Start with uh, Judaism. Uh, Rabbi Hillel said, whatever is hurtful to you, do not do to your fellow, meaning your brother or another man. Uh, the Christianity says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, in Islam, there's a doctrine called reciprocity, where they believe that if you're hurtful to other people, uh, the harm will come back to you. Um, in uh, in, in uh, Hindu and uh, Buddhism, uh, same thing, they call it karma. So this is the doctrine that everybody all over the world, at, at the, some point in the religion, everybody understood but it is something that we do not follow today as a general rule. Uh, and so empathy was really what abolished slavery. If you go back and, and uh, study Lord Mansfield, who was a judge who rendered the two cases in, in Britain way back in the 1700s, and you look at what he was doing, 
he became empathetic to black people because his nephew uh, had a biracial daughter and she had no place to live because he was the captain of a ship, brought him and left him with his uh, uh, great uncle to, to raise her. And seeing her, he realized that there's really no difference between black people and white people. There's no intellectual difference. And in fact, the, the daughter, his, his niece, was uh, brilliant, possibly a genius. She was a concert pianist and, and she loved to study law. So he realized that the stereotypes that we have, which, which allowed people to separate black people from white people in their minds, he realized that that's all wrong. And so he started handing down cases that ultimately led to the abolition of slavery in Britain. And then later, you know, that led to the fight to, in the United States and we abolished slavery here in the 1860s. It was 1865 that the 13th Amendment was ratified. Correct. Okay. Uh, an interesting thing about you, I have one final question, and this is uh, a rather interesting thing about you, is that you hold a fifth-degree black belt in Taekwondo. <laughs> is that true? That is true. I do. How many years of practicing Taekwondo did it take you to earn a fifth-degree black belt? Actually, longer than it should have because uh, I started when I was very young. But when I was uh, when I was in high school and college, we didn't have a, a big like the World Taekwondo Federation or, or, or Taekwondo Federation they call it today, uh, because the abbreviation was WTF, <laughs> and too many people were making fun of that, so they just dropped the and now they just call it Taekwondo Federation. But um, so what what we had was. Um, uh, throughout the United States, different schools everywhere. And every time you'd go to a different school, the instructor would want to start you back at, at square one. So I've been pursuing it since that, that time. But ordinarily, the way it works, you go through up to your black belt. It may take you, you know, four years or whatever. And then for each belt after that, if you go to the first degree black belt, and then to go to the second, it's two years you have to wait. Then to go to the third, it's three more years you have to wait. Then go to the fourth, it's four more years. So it takes quite a while once you get up into the black belts. Well, uh, D.W., you are a wonderful guest for this podcast, and I thank you for appearing on the Heartland Author Podcast. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation with you. D.W. was a very insightful guest, and I hope to be able to read Not Without a Fight soon. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination. Bye for now. You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparenapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at author AAC and on Instagram at AAC Scribe. Copyright 2023, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited, except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.